Are we not allowed to end with may the force be with you? I was going to say live long and prosper just to get everybody angry. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this episode of the Star Wars Universe podcast. I'm Matthew. I'm one of your hosts. And I'm excited because now we are going to kick off uh, the second series we're going to be doing, which is a whole series of episodes as I rewatch The Clone Wars, uh, along with two good friends who are um, uh, who've recently gotten into the show and are uh, big Star Wars fans and people who I'm really excited to be talking about the show with. So, Riki and Sarah, welcome and uh, say hello and uh, tell us a bit about yourselves. Hello, I am Riki Hayashi. Uh, I guess mostly we want to talk about Star Wars, so I'm a lifelong fan. Supposedly my parents took me to one of the movies when I was a baby. I don't nice. remember this, but they, they claim they did, so I, that's where I claim my Star Wars heritage to. Uh, I've watched all the movies, of course. I read a lot of the earlier books uh, when they came out, the Expanded Universe stuff. Uh, didn't follow along too much after that. Uh, this is my first time watching um, the Clone Wars and really any of the additional stuff beyond the movies. So it's it's been really interesting for me. Uh, my favorite character is Darth Vader. I okay. have a Darth Vader tattoo. Nice. So that's that's something I'm committed to for life now, <laughs> for good or for bad. Sounds um, good. Favorite movie is The Last Jedi. Um, watching the um, the the last one, I, I can't even remember what it's called. Rise of, Rise Skywalker. of Skywalker. Watching that one actually reinforced how much I liked or loved The Last Jedi. Uh, and just like my favorite random thing in in all the Star Wars universe, I actually have I listed two now. The first one is Salacious Crumb. That's the <laughs> The little like court jester of Java the Hutt who sits there uh-huh. and, and laughs a lot, and yeah. the other one is the trash can droid, which just kind of lumbers around in the background of just about everything. Uh, and and both of those are things that uh, um have popped up early in Clone Wars, so I can see especially why they're on your mind. But yeah, both both two fun parts of the universe. Um, and Sarah, how did you yeah. come to be a star in Star Wars? Hi, I'm Sarah Hayashi. Uh, I got into Star Wars when I was a kid. My mom took me to go see Cringe, The Phantom Menace. Uh, I was the appropriate age to love Jar Jar Binks. Um, please don't hold that against me. We I all go since... through that as a child. <laughs> I know, right? Um, but in, uh, in high school, I, uh, with a bunch of friends, caught up on all like the old quote unquote old, the 80s movies, 70s movies that we hadn't seen. And, and New Hope was one of them. And it's been mm-hmm. my like favorite movie to watch when I'm like at home sick or like just need a pick me up movie. Um, it's, it's definitely my favorite of the Star Wars movies. I've since gone back and rewatched the prequels, but I've only seen, I've seen Phantom Menace twice and then the other two only one time each, but I've probably seen a New Hope like upwards of 20 times. Yeah. Um, and, uh, the, yeah, I've just I'm really into the the Star Wars universe. Not so much so that I'm I'm reading any of the books or comics or anything like that. Though I am aware that they exist, uh, and this is also my first time watching Clone Wars. So, yeah, nice. Well, I'm I'm glad to hear that. I, <clears throat> Riki, I have kind of a similar background to you. I don't remember a time when I hadn't watched Star Wars and Empire Strikes Back. They were just part of my growing up at a very young age. Um. 
and 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 they've continued to always be a huge part of of my life. I think my favorite character is Harrison Ford. Uh, I'm sorry, he's uh, Han Solo. I In, Indiana Jones. Indiana Jones. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and that may have been part of it because I also loved the Indiana Jones movies as a kid. But, um, and I, I I've just always felt really spoken to by these movies uh, and 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 by the TV shows. And I, um, I have seen the Clone Wars before. I watched them once about five years ago. I. Used I I never wanted to watch them. I always thought it was an animated show. It was a kids Same. show. Yeah. Um. And then my friend Paul, who's my original podcast host on the um superhero ethics podcast, he he and I had he knew I was really interested in a lot of questions about the um, you know what happened to the Republic, what happened to the Jedi, what happened to Anakin, and that the Clone Wars TV show really explored all that. So I'm really looking forward to the three of us getting to to dive into this show and talk about um. What what makes it a lot better than than you might think, as well as some really bad parts that it has. Um, you, you know, Sarah, your childhood favorite, Jar Jar Binks, as we already seen, will oh, continue to show goodness. up. And- <laughs> Misa's so disappointed. Yeah, um, and he's still just as racist as oh. as are the uh, Trade Federation folks. Um, but yeah, let's. It's I think it's it's going to be a really interesting to talk to to watch the show with you guys as you watch it for the first time. Especially now that we have seen the the sort of finale of the Star Wars universe, and it it gives us a chance to think about you know how do the events of this this show inform everything else we come to know about the Star Wars universe? Because this period of time of the Clone Wars is one that is you know not explored in anything except this the, this TV show, mm-hmm. but seems to affect so many things in the universe that we'll be talking about going forward. Um, so let me also just say quickly for our listeners, um, we're going to try and keep this fairly spoiler-free for the Whoa. stuff we well, – well, hold on a second. <laughs> really? <laughs> well, no, no, well, let me finish. Let me finish. For the episodes of The Clone Wars that we are not talking about yet. Um, okay, that's fair. So today we're talking about episodes one through five of season one. But that being said, we are expecting that you already have seen or at least know all of the other major Star Wars movies. Um, so spoiler warning – uh, Anakin Skywalker is Darth Vader, and Darth what? Vader is Luke's father. I know, I know. <laughs> Sorry to break it to you, um, but yeah. So if if you've not seen some of the Star Wars movies, or you want to kind of hold on to some of those things, probably um, uh, you might you might want to put this on hold and come back to it. Um, but if you are going to be watching the the Clone Wars show along with us, or if you saw it some time ago and are just excited to rewatch to to kind of hear about it through us again, or you're um, not interested in watching it, but just want to learn about the, the issues we discuss. Uh, welcome, and I hope you're going to enjoy this, this this look back at it. So let me just start this, this guys. Um, I know, Riki, I kind of not twisted your arm into Clone Wars, but you were not terribly excited about watching the show to begin with. Um, what's, for you and for you, Sarah, what's, what's kind of been your general impression of the show so far? Yeah, it's very good. Um, when I Over the years, I've had people like you, Matthew, tell me, that watching the Clone Wars makes the prequels better, and I, I just never believe them. <laughs> and even even now, like it's, I don't think it makes the prequels better. I think it's a better prequels. Yeah, is is kind that of my sense. impression. Yeah, I uh, again really similar. Kind of um, bristled against the idea because I had so many people say, "Oh well, if you watch it, then you'll love the prequels." And I was just so angry at this idea that I had to commit to a whole TV series to make three movies good because like that doesn't <laughs> that doesn't mean that movies are good. They're still very bad movies. Um, and but yeah, it's been such. Uh, uh, 
a great show to watch, but it also kind of still makes me like extra angry about the prequels because yes. it, it highlights so many things that I, they could have done. I think it, yeah. it's actually making the prequels worse mm, mm-hmm. <laughs> because <laughs> the the everything you hate about the prequels, you know, the lack of chemistry between Anakin and Padme, well, <laughs> still exists in, yep. in the Clone Wars. It's like, why these two people are supposed to be married? Are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. I mean, certainly the voice actor who's playing Anakin in this, um, I think is much better than Hayden Christensen ever was. Oh, for sure. Um, but just like even beyond that, sort of getting to see the, the humanity of the clones, um, and this idea that the, the Republic maybe isn't just like, a, like very, very clearly evil. Um, yeah. they've got this like sort of nebulous quality whereas in the prequels it was just like we're called the dark side we're the bad guys um was it but we've got cookies so yeah <laughs> come on in anakin he's like well, all right right it, it, you, you really see that relationship um being built with palpatine who is being presented as you know the the chancellor a, a really good guy and solid um, figure in the government and then you see the clones as like these individuals, human individual human beings who are sort of fighting for their freedom. Uh, yeah, and it brings up a lot of really interesting points that I think the the prequels just kind of midichlorian over. Yeah. Don't use I, that word. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I can edit that out, Ricky. Don't worry. Um, but so I, 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 I one think Rick, one thing. Oh, go ahead. One thing for me is I don't like the name. I don't like that it's called Clone Wars. They call these wars the Clone Wars. Because it's all based on one kind of throwaway line from Obi-Wan Kenobi in A New Hope, where he mentions, like, I fought with your father in the Clone Wars, right? That's the origin of this. And I always imagined it as clones versus clones. Like, the two sides of the galaxy are using clones to fight against each other. Mm. And then it turns out it's clones versus droids. And really, it should have either been called, like, you know, a civil war or the separatist war or the clone droid war. I think when I watched – I had many, many, many disappointments when I watched the second prequel. Um, but, Ricky, I think you're right. One of them that I had was this didn't match at all my image of what the Clone Wars were all going to be about. Um, and I really appreciate, as you were saying, Sarah, that – one of the things this show does is to say, okay, but what if the clone, you know, what, who actually are the clones? And, mm-hmm. and let's get into their, their kind of mental life a bit. To backtrack a bit, it's not that I think that this show makes the prequels better. I think it helps the third prequel make more sense. Um, like I watched it again after watching the show and a lot more things clicked for me and a lot more of the plot points like had a lot more power. Um, but you're right. It's still, there's still no chemistry. There's still bad acting. There's still bad dialogue. This this certainly doesn't change any of that. Um, and it's a it's a bad plot. Like the overall plot of Darth Sidious's evil plan is just <laughs> nonsensical. Yeah, yeah. But it's. I mean, I I think I'll have to. Well, have to. I would like to maybe watch the third prequel again after we get through the Clone Wars. Riki is shaking his head no. Um, <laughs> but. Even even just watching it now, I can see some of those reasons, especially why he um, why Anakin responded so well to to Palpatine slash Sidious, mm-hmm. um, right? Because of this relationship that's being built over this this series. Not to get like too too much farther past um, these five episodes we're going to talk about here, but yeah, I can see what you're saying about it making making them make more sense, if not necessarily making them better. Yeah, I mean, again, without getting into spoilers, but I think we can just say openly that. Two of the main themes that are explored throughout this show, one involving Anakin especially, 
one is Anakin constantly feeling like the Jedi are not listening to him and that they're kind of being condescending to him and then and thus him sort of turning more towards Palpatine. Hmm. But but the other is, and, and this is something I, I we do see a lot in these first couple episodes that I look forward to us talking about, Anakin, prop, you know, we, we keep hearing that the Jedi are not supposed to form attachments. Mm-hmm. And in the prequel, it's just the fact that he's in love with Padme and and had those feelings for his mother and that that's why he he turns the dark side. And and what the show we're always starting to see starts to explore is this is kind of a general thing for him. And, and one of the things that means is that he becomes attached to the soldiers who fight for him, to the clones. Um, and I, I think that's a much more it, – it just gives much more depth to the idea of how does his um, attachment to the clones and the fact that he cares about his soldiers and he can't stop the soldiers from dying, how does that you know lead to him – being so desperate to keep Padma alive by the third movie. Mm. Yeah, I think it's it's super interesting because you're right. Like it doesn't really expound on the relationship between Anakin and Padme at all. In fact, in in one of the like episode three, maybe uh, where he's got to save Padme from um, the Grievous General Grievous. Grievous. Yeah, the the big warship that has a name Malevolence. That's oh it. yep. Um, and and they have like a moment where they're like about to kiss and. <laughs> you're interrupted by 3PO and you can almost like feel the sigh of release of like, oh my gosh, thank, thank goodness 3PO interrupted us. Huh. Cause it's just like that awkward banter between them. But then if you look at the relationship even between like Anakin and Obi-Wan or, uh, Anakin and Ahsoka, it's, yeah, it is that idea of him building relationships with other people who, who aren't Padme. I, I don't know. I hope as we get later in the series that this, non-chemistry with, with Padme is going to be addressed, but that might be a pipe dream. <laughs> Certainly, um, I, I will say that the, the, the show leads me to the conclusion that Obi-Wan is utterly clueless because the the, the, the the element of Obi-Wan spending this much time with the two of them and not picking up that they're together does not say much for his perceptions. Oh my goodness, no. I think like <laughs> I think that they don't even realize that they're together half the time. Like, I, I, I don't think it says anything against Obi-Wan that you don't see that these two are a married couple because, like, my goodness, if, if I didn't know that they were married and it was, like, shoved in my face all the time, I don't think I would pick up on it. I don't think they even know that they're married <laughs> sometimes, right? They're just like, ah, oh, hi, Senator. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I, wife? Right, yeah, you. Th- this is one of those things that I, I either like or don't like about certain TV shows is that when they have a predetermined endpoint in terms of relationships mm, uh-huh. and they, they move towards that. And sometimes like the way the characters and the actors interact or the, the plot unfolds leads you to a different place. And I really, I really like shows that honor that and let the characters grow into themselves. Um, one of my favorite examples is Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yeah. You know, starts off with Buffy and Angel. And it's just not a very good relationship. And by the end of the series, it's, it's Buffy and Spike, which is still, you know, it's not, not a good relationship, but it was more interesting television and they had better chemistry. I think so, yeah. And, and watching the Clone Wars unfold, I would probably say like Anakin and Ahsoka should end up together, Ooh. not Anakin and Padme. <laughs> I think like Anakin and Obi Wan should end up together, not Anakin. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I think it, it suffers from like the How I Met Your Mother syndrome, where they've yeah. got this predetermined ending that they they're they're sort of forced into. 
Um, and, and all, like, we know that that's what they're going to do because there's these movies that have already been made. Um, but yeah, it is, it is really, I don't know, unfortunate that they don't have the ability to sort of, uh, develop their own conclusion, I guess. The show, rather. Yeah, it, it, it's definitely a problem. And I think it's, um, you know, any, I remember, like, I, I'm a huge Marvel fanboy as well as Star Wars. <laughs> and to me, some of the weakest Marvel movies were ones where the author, like, there, that certain characters had to get to a certain point by the end of the movie to set up the next couple of movies. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Avengers 2 Age of Ultron is my favorite example of this, where it just seemed like large bits of the plot made no sense except for, for later movies. And I, I think one of the real challenges that Clone Wars has is, you're right, we do need... We we know where all the characters are supposed to wind up, but at least we get a large large amount of room to play in to get there. And I think some of the some of the things that makes the show challenging sometimes are when it seems like it's kind of not knowing where to go because of where it has to wind up. But I think that the the time it takes to explore a lot of that really is where it shines. Um, well, well, we get a couple of characters here that are not in the movies, so right. that's an opportunity for them. To develop those storylines and and hopefully go somewhere interesting. Um, we mentioned Ahsoka Tano, mm-hmm. Anakin's mm-hmm. apprentice. The the clones, right? Um, yep. Captain Rex is... I, I don't think he's in the movies. I know Commander Cody was in the I, third movie. I believe Cody is the only one in the movies. I think all of the other clones who are introduced to do not appear in the movies. That's yeah. correct. Um, or at least they're they're not named in the movie. Right. Sure. Yeah. How could you tell? Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I, I agree. Like we're getting to know these these individual clones. We're getting to know Ahsoka, and even just like some of the the rando generals. The um, Jedi. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, certainly, one thing, one small thing that it does add to um, attack of, to the third movie is when you get to that scene in Order sixty six, and you see yes. four or five Jedi be murdered. All of those Jedi are ones you've come to get to know pretty well in the show. Mm-hmm. Um, so it does make that scene have some more power. Um, and even... Sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, even... even um, They'd they be clones you get to know pretty well. Like, even if you don't know exactly which clones those are. Like, we've spent this, this series, theoretically, like, we we've, haven't got to the end of it yet, but you're you're watching these clones develop as people, so seeing them turn against the Jedi, you know, you know, the relationship that the Jedi and the clones have with each other and that it's a tight relationship. It's very respectful and like mm-hmm. close. And so to, to, to watch them just like, yeah, order 66 is, I think, yeah, it gives that scene a lot more impact having seen the show. Yeah. What I, what I really need now would be something um, post order 66 that follows some clones Mm-hmm. that maybe like realize that they were programmed in this way and then like feel that weight of guilt of what yeah. they did like that could be very interesting mm-hmm. but, but also uh let me just quickly interject there mm-hmm. and then and this Sarah, please go ahead um i i will say ricky i have not read it yet but um our mutual good friend jonah who is a um hopefully will be a guest on this show at some point soon and who is a huge fan of the books um, one of the the um, series of books that he is most fond of specifically follows a group of clone soldiers. They're called the Republic mm. Commando books. And my understanding is that the the last book in that series, Order 66, takes place during that book. 
I think okay. it's actually called Order 66. So I'll be uh, reading that hopefully at some point soon. And if it if it does the kind of stuff you're talking about, I'll definitely let you know because I think that I think you're right. That'd be a great story to to dive into. Um, yeah, Sarah, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't want it to just be like they turn on and off and don't realize it. Like I I really want them to. <laughs> I mean, it's terrible to say that, but I want them to know and feel what they did. Yeah. In terms of character development. <laughs> um, okay, so what I was going to say, I don't think spo- violates our spoiler policy. Ricky and I have watched more than just these first five episodes um, of Clone Wars in, anticip- in, anticip- blah, 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 in anticipation of doing the podcast. Um, but it also, I think that the, the Order 66... <laughs> while making more sense also doesn't make any sense at all. Cause like, how are these clones defeating these Jedi? Um, Cause we're also getting to learn just how powerful the Jedi are, even through things like not, not just the clone wars, but like um, that newest video game that just came out. Um, oh my Fallen goodness. Order. Fallen order. Mm. Yeah. Where you're, you're just watching like a single Jedi take on like swaths and swaths of, like stormtroopers right right you're like how did how did these these clones even manage to take down the jedi but yeah it, it, it i mean it, like i think you guys were saying before it, it the, the show makes some parts of the the prequel movies make more sense but it probably also makes some parts of them even worse because yeah. i i think the only way i've ever been able to head candidate is by thinking that the Jedi feel so safe with the clones that they kind of let down their defenses and aren't thinking – they aren't like probing the clone's mind always to to worry about possible being turned on. And so it's a total surprise. But yeah, it, th- those scenes never quite made sense. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. My what- recollection of those scenes is that several of the Jedi sense like a change in the clones and like are able to turn around and ignite their lightsaber and deflect some shots. Right. So – I, my headcanon would be that the sense of betrayal is, is so large mm. that they are emotionally unable to focus in that moment. Mm. Yeah. Right? Because the, these are friends and might even be close to family in some cases, right? The, with how how they have fought together. Yeah, I think actually that makes more sense. And it, it also raises what I – um in a moment, I want to start getting into some of the specific questions that the show has been raising. Um mm. But one of the things that I, I really like is that one thing we see is that there's a wide divergence in how the Jedi view the clones uh, in terms of their moral worth and, and in terms of, the, you know, what wh- who are they? What are they to them? Are they expendable? Are they people? Are they, they family? Um, and so you're right that certainly for the Jedi we see that could definitely be an interpretation of it that that makes a lot of sense. Um, just as kind of a last general comment about the show, um, have you guys seen the TV show Batman the Animated Series? Boy, have we. <laughs> we, have, we have all seasons on DVD. Yeah. Oof. Well, I, I'm wondering then if you'd agree with this comparison because the way I, I think of this show is I, – I think of it in some ways as very similar to Batman the Animated Series um, uh, simply in that both of them are ostensibly children's shows and mm. – Every now and then they'll remind you, no, this is a children's show and um, don't think too much of it. But then at other times, like it, it really goes into topics that are a lot deeper and a lot heavier than you'd expect from a TV sh- from a kid's show. Um, and certainly that I approached both of them thinking they weren't going to be as good as they were because I saw them as, you know, kind of more for kids. Um, is that a comparison that kind of makes sense for you all or do you see it in a different way? Uh, yeah, I definitely agree with the 
idea of it being like a kid's show. Um, and, and I think the Batman the Animated Series is like an apt comparison. Although I, I watched the animated series on TV. So kind of had this, this feel that it wasn't that kitty of a kid's show. Mm. Um, but yeah, Clone Wars, I was like, Oh, whatever. This is, and I, I worked at a comic book store for a very long time. And a lot of the, the people coming in consuming like star Clone Wars material were kids. Um, but watching it, yeah, there's like a lot of dark stuff and like really emotional stuff. Um, and yeah, a lot of, a lot of characters die. Um, they, they deal with a lot of these he- heavy topics of like morality. Um, and, and yeah, what it means to be like a human being. Um, and I think like you were talking about, uh, we see different characters views towards the clones. Um, there's uh, the, the episode where we're watching the, uh, the clones get trained. Nope. No, where we were, sorry. We're, um, they're at the, um, uh, the base on right, the- Rishi. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I guess this might be like a little spoilery, but later in the series, we, we see the um, episode that took place immediately before and immediately after this encounter. Um, and we get to see someone's viewpoint of, of clones as just like the sort of disposable army and, and other people viewing clones as like these highly indiv- in- individual beings. Um, but yeah, I think and that's not really something I'd expect from a kid's show. What I didn't expect from a kid's show is so much death. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's a war, but there, there's like straight up murder. Mm-hmm. There is, there's a lot of torture yeah. in this show that, that really shocked me. And, and so like in those moments, I go, this is a kid's show. <laughs> and then there are, there are other moments where, you know, there's just a bunch of battle droids blowing up, and I'm like, "This is a kid show." Yeah, yeah. and like the, ba- I think it's also interesting because, I mean, like with many TV series, the first season is definitely I think, the weakest. Yep. Um, and 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 you can definitely see that the clones, or sorry, pardon me, the droids are definitely meant to appeal to kids with their like. Roger, Roger, Roger. Roger. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Who, who programmed these things? Who programmed these guys? <laughs> they're yeah, terrible. No, they're terrible. But and they're just like prat falling all the time with their little like oh. Yep. I thought you were supposed to blow them up, um, but then as as we we move on in the series, we kind of leave those dopey droids behind. At least we don't get confronted with them as much. Mm-hmm. Um, and same with even like Ahsoka, she is extraordinarily annoying in these first five episodes um but grows so much beyond it like even just just calling r2d2 r2e is just like <laughs> giving me an aneurysm <laughs> and sky guy sky guy what a terrible nickname yeah um <laughs> yeah yeah uh but and so I, you definitely see that sort of appeal to kids early on but yeah then you move into uh, it's, and it like really complex political stuff too, mm-hmm. which I I don't. I mean, I it's, don't know. It's well, yes, it is complex. It's it's overly complex. Again, sure. like Darcidius's master plans really don't make sense. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they're very complicated. Sure, but um, yeah, I mean, I, and I don't want to say like, oh, kids can't understand politics. Um, because like people don't want to give kids. I think are are smarter than we give them credit for, but. Yeah, these these some of these political plot lines are very convoluted and well, like I would like there to have been more politics. Sure. In fact. Sure. Like that's one of the things I, I still 
I mean, we're, what, into season four? And mm-hmm. I don't understand what the separatists are trying to do. Like, what their <laughs> demands are other than separate. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it is something that I, I, I've commented in other points that, to me, the absolute worst moment of the entire Star Wars saga. And, and I mean, yes, I hate the, the bad romance lines in Attack of the Clones. But in terms of just betraying the plot that it could have been, to me, is when we learn that Count Dooku in, in the second movie has actually been working for Darth Sidious slash Palpatine the whole time. Because Hmm. I was really excited for the idea that there was a legitimate group of people who had legitimate grievances against the Republic, who perhaps were going quite far in how, in where they were going with those grievances. And that Palpatine was sort of like, you know, blowing on those embers and manipulating them from behind the scenes. Because to me, I don't know if, Ricky, this is what you mean. To me, that would have been such a more interesting political situation of what are the Jedi doing when they realize, like, the Separatists aren't evil. They they have a different political machination, and, and they're pretty quick to use violence to, to support that, and we don't like that. But but I feel like there there are some attempts, especially later in the show, to show some members of the Separatist group who have some very legitimate grievances – Hmm. But but for the most part, like Count Dooku, General Grievance, Grievous, etc., these are pretty grade A mustache twirlers, as far as I can tell. <laughs> yes. Lightsaber twirlers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. It's 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 very frustrating, especially there's there's such a very easy parallel between the clones and the droids, right? Where the the Republic just sees droids as these dispensable machines. Um, whereas like the separatists could like, why aren't they fighting for droid rights? Right? Like, right. there's that really easy, easy go to or an end. Okay, so a little bit of a tangent, but like my favorite Disney villain of all time is Claude Frollo from Hunchback of Notre Dame. And the reason why is because he thinks he's the good guy the whole time. Yeah, um, which just makes it so much more sinister. Um, and I, I, w- I think I would really be interested in seeing a Star Wars universe where Palpatine thinks he's the good guy that like he needs to separate from the Jedi and that the Jedi are too powerful. Not just like maniacal left, maniacal left. I want power lightning hands. Right. right. No, and I think that makes sense. And I think this, this whole thing, you know, the show leads to the idea that Anakin at least somewhat thinks he's the good guy mm-hmm. by the time he becomes Darth Vader. Um, again, I, I think, Ricky, you're right that the third movie screws that up, but the show at least kind of will start to show him, you know, more and more coming to see maybe the Jedi are wrong. Um, and 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 what I like is that he kind of has a point because we sh- we see that as you said the the Republic and the Jedi don't come across in the best light. Um, let let's jump into some of the kind of the specific questions that I know we're starting to come up. We've, we've been dancing around some of them. Um, so and just looking at these first couple episodes, what do you what do you think about the way the the clone we're introduced to the idea of the clones and that the clones aren't just all they are all the exact same genetic material, but we quickly learn that they have names and they have different haircuts and they've all kind of <laughs> found ways to um to 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 find some individuality. Um, what what's kind of your take on the the way the clone story is unfolding? The haircuts, okay. In I think the second episode. They uh-huh. take the haircut thing way too far. <laughs> the blonde guy? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but other than that, it's like, okay. It's it, it can be hard to follow, especially if you're not 
like watching the screen the entire time. Yeah. Um, so maybe I'll be like preparing dinner and listening to, to the show. Um, and as soon as there's like clone intensive scenes, I just have to like stop and come and stare at the screen because otherwise, I mean, they're clones. They all have the exact same voice. Right. So it's, it's kind of, it can be hard to follow that way, but I do like what they're doing. Um, I, I feel like they do have distinct personalities and, um, I don't, but I do think that the actor D, D Bradley Baker, uh, does a great job of sort of infusing distinct personalities into the clones. Um, and then you, you also have their little, like, um, trademarks, I guess, mm-hmm. uh, like the different haircuts, like fives has the tattoo of the five on the side of his face. Obviously Rex is very, um, and, and Cody are both, uh, very easily distinguished by their armor. Um, but especially, especially in rookies and, um, in season, season three, we get sort of the bookend episodes for, for rookies. You really get to see the, the, these different clones and their different motivations, which is really interesting. Yeah. I, I, I think one of the most powerful moments in these first five episodes we see is in the first episode, Ambush, when Yoda asks the clones to take off their helmets. Mm hmm. Because that's, I think, when it really hit me that, yeah, these are, and he specifically says, I want to see your faces because, you know, and, and I think actually one of the clones jokes that he says, like, but it's our face. We all have the same face. And, and, and Yoda comments that, you know, he, especially through the force, he knows them as different individuals. Mm-hmm. That moment, I think, really well sets up this idea of the clones are people in a way that it's, you know, I, I feel like they exist in kind of this weird uh, halfway state where, you know, because these, this is a, a, a group of, of sentient beings that were bred specifically for the purpose of war. They have no families. They have no outside life. This is all they have ever known and all they've ever been taught to know. And in some ways, that's this is one of the things I think that is most amazing in a kid's show because when you think about that, that you have these hundreds of thousands of beings literally raised to fight and die – for generals, some of whom see them as full human beings, some of them see them as cannon fodder. Th- there's something incredibly tragic about that. Yeah, this is to to mix franchises. <laughs> you know, Star Trek would have a field day with yeah. this subject, and they, it does. You know, the measure of a man whether Data, the android, has rights is one of the best in the series. Mm-hmm. And there are later ones with the uh, holographic Doctor on Voyager about what his rights are. Mm-hmm. Right. And so legally, right? Like what rights do these clones have? Yeah. Like, do they can they opt out of this war? Yeah, and I think it's also this super interesting like nature v nurture yeah. idea, right? Cuz I mean like well they're all the same, they're all they're all like made in these growth chambers from the exact same genetic material, but they still develop into different people. Yeah. Um which I think is just is also really like cool to think about that like what what makes us individuals what makes individuality a thing um yeah yeah and i think one thing also to think about in terms of as we we're saying the show being pretty deep this show came out in 2008 and that was when um you know the iraq and afghanistan wars were still going i mean they they still are in some ways but they were they were a lot more intense than they are now and we were we were starting conversations about who is it in this country who goes off to war um, and, and, you know, how do people look at the people who go off to war and, and, you know, the, the sort of the draft of poverty that exists in this country. Um, 
And it's it's just one of way one of many ways in which I think it's subtle, but I I, I, I don't think it's coincidence that this show is kind of commenting on those those topics. Um and as we'll get to in later seasons, uh they also go more into kind of the financial incentives for war and other mm-hmm. things that were really being talked about at that time. Um, I think what you were saying about about the war in in um the Middle East is like really interesting because so I, I grew up in Canada. Um and like we were obviously like aware um of of the conflict but i don't think it was as omnipresent um and yeah that's the thing that i don't think i would have ever like drawn a connection to Mm. um especially like the 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 time right because like i think 2008 i was like just getting into university um sort of discovering the, the the great wide world um but yeah uh this idea of like disposability and um being being bred for a certain task right like like Ricky was saying, can can the clones opt out? Can they be like do do they have a do they have a choice? Because I mean this is what they were designed for. This is what the the um Republic bought them for, right? right. And and that's actually the, those topics are ones that are specifically addressed in later issue later episodes mm. of what happens if a clone doesn't want to fight anymore and, and what, what can happen and where can that go? Um we've talked also about this, but in terms of the war, um what one of the things that I I really loved, and I'm I'm kind of curious how you took this, is in just these first five episodes, we get introduced to the idea that not every that the whole world, the whole universe, isn't just the Republic and the Separatists. That there are planets that are not sure if they want to take sides in this war, and they're kind of being pressured by by both sides to join in. Um, uh, what, what, what's kind of your take on the, the war and the politics that we're seeing in, in these first couple of episodes in terms of what it's setting up about the stories we're telling? I, I don't understand. <laughs> I, I just don't. Because there are there are some cases where I believe planets declare that they are neutral in the war, but uh-huh. they have a senator in, yeah. in, the Senate Repo- in the Republic Senate. So I don't understand how they are neutral, yet they have representation in the Republic. I mean, that there actually is historical. If you sort of see this as a version of the American Civil War, you know, there, there were United, there were states, the, the border states that said that they um, would continue to be part of the United States, but did not support a war against the, the, the South. And so they continued to send, you know, their congresspeople to Washington, but wouldn't send any troops for the fight. Uh, and try hmm. to sort of stay neutral. Um, the result being that both sides invaded them anyway, um, <laughs> so it didn't really work out. But I, I but it, d- like, does that does that framework make sense, Ricky? Or do you think that that even that doesn't quite fit for what you're seeing here? I I don't know, like because because the senators go and they vote on stuff like whether to keep fighting, basically whether to keep funding the war. Right. I, I guess I guess those senators would choose no. <laughs> <laughs> it, it certainly makes me think that as we said like the prequels did not give them much to work with and i i kind of compared you were talking earlier about star trek you know in star trek i know that anytime they introduced a new idea somewhere with gene roddenberry or after he passed away with with rick berman or with others people would sit down and say okay let's let's have an overall discussion about what is the federation's perspective on this thing and then that's going to be true for everything going forward. Hmm. I I don't think there was this happening here. I do think that hmm. there would be situations where they'd want to write a story about a particular planet or a particular 
issue and weren't really thinking about how does this play into the larger story. And that, and that is one of my real frustrations because, as I, I think you said, Ricky, Ricky, it, 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 it makes it not coming off as very sensical because it, it's hard to kind of get a big picture of what's actually happening out there. Yeah. Well, the, the galaxy is too big. Yeah. That's the problem. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, it makes sense that there are planets who are neutral, but yeah, it it doesn't make sense that those neutral planets have representatives in the Senate, um, in the Republican Senate. Yeah, um, but I mean, even right, the, the first, the very first episode is like Yoda and um, Dooku trying to convince the Tordarios, Tordarios, yeah. there you go, um, that that they should join their respective sides. Um, and we get to see like fun Yoda for for a brief moment. Oh, <laughs> good times. Um, but but yeah, the the idea that like a sort of known race, I guess, is 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 trying to be neutral is a little tough to believe. I mean, when you, when you get to like the Banking Federation, then it kind of makes more sense, or they're just like the Switzerland of the galaxy, right? Um, but well- but yeah, I don't know. So, so actually, this is a, probably a good time to segue. Do you want to start um, just kind of talking about each individual episode for a few minutes? Yeah, sure. So, so in Ambush, episode one, uh, just kind of give a refresher for those who haven't seen it. Um, you have um, Yoda is traveling to Tordaria, which is the planet of, as you said, the Watos, the um, <laughs> the um, person who owned Anakin in episode one. Um, oh yeah, and um, and and the idea here is that we're introduced to um, Ventress, who is a uh, another Sith Sith, um, uh, not Jedi, but Force user, um, who is the in being mentored by Count Dooku, Darth Sidious, um, and she and Yoda kind of have a competition to see who can do better in battle, and the winner, the Tordarians, are going to join on their side. Um, yeah, which is like a a bogus d- d- setup to begin with, right? Like, yeah, it's we're gonna dumb. have a fight, and then you're gonna go with whoever wins. Which is just like, no, you can fight, but I'm gonna make up my own mind. Please and thank you. Um, no, I, I would definitely go with whoever wins. Yeah, like, that's I mean, that's logical. <laughs> that's logical. Well, in in, in I, I mean, I was obviously like Yoda. I mean, and, I don't think there's any really like a, a loser, but Yoda holds his own, especially the way the plot. Mm. plays out yoda and three clones destroy like what a, a division a platoon of droids yeah like, i would lot. definitely join them yeah including sure. tanks and, and armor yeah. Um, yeah i and i will say though i think i think with this planet it does make sense just because and, and maybe here i'm headcanoning more than than someone should need to and it should have been explained <laughs> but from the prequels we were told that um Watto and his race of people that and even in the the episode they they point out that this is happening way out on the outer rim. And mm-hmm. I think these are these are places that we established in the movies the republic doesn't really have much reach and these places aren't they're kind of lawless and outside the republic. So I think that was kind of how I understood it was that this place wasn't part of the republic yet. Um Yeah, and that Yoda's there to try and convince them to join the republic and Dooku's there to try and convince them to join the separatists. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. I thought, okay, so, I mean, later in the series, I do think we, don't we see a Toydarian senator? I so think that might be, like, after they've decided to join or something. Yeah, I don't know how fast the pro, it might be, you know, it, it seems a little weird to be like, your king agrees, and then a week later, send your senator to Coruscant, <laughs> but, yeah, <laughs> who knows? 
I, I will say that I loved, I love world building and I love mm. just sort of expanding on things. And I love that uh, starting with the Tordarians, a lot of the races who we meet as a one-off will eventually get to have their own planet and their own senator and their own people. Um, and, and I think like, so, um, to, to me, that was one of the things that really kind of drew me in, especially in this first episode was seeing like, Oh wait, okay. We're not just making stuff up, but we're going to take, you know, if there's a Wado, there must be a planet of people like him. So what's happening on that planet? Let's see what that's mm. like. That's one yeah. of the major benefits of being a cartoon, I think, because you just yes. draw them and yeah. you don't need to do all the prosthetics or I guess nowadays CGI, CGI. or yeah. find the same actor. And yeah, no, you're right. That's a good thought. Yeah. Animation actually really opens that up so much. <laughs> Even just on the, sorry, the finding the same actor thing, I really like the voice actors that they have, how they're sort of doing kind of impressions of the actors who played <laughs> them uh, in the movies, right? Like, you, you get to see the, like, the Mace Windu, mm-hmm. and he's, he's kind of doing a Samuel Jackson impression, and then, like, um, Obi-Wan is is sort of talking, like, oh my gosh, I'm blanking on his name, but I can see his face. Mulan Rouge. Oh, uh, Ewan uh, McGregor. Ewan McGregor. Right. <laughs> yeah. right? But- and you just like the sarcastic drawl. So yeah, and it's it's neat. And then obviously like with, with some of the characters, like Yoda, is Yoda still Frank Oz in the Clone Wars? I don't Probably. think so, but it's actually worth looking up. It's also yeah. funny about Ewan McGregor since Ewan McGregor himself was trying to do the Alec Guinness voice. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. So it's like triple, <laughs> three layers deep. Um, but yeah, yeah, it really, an ambush, yeah. So we get to see the, the, the individuality of the clones, which is really cool. We get to see fun Yoda again, which is like d- delightful. Um, and yeah, we, and, and we get introduced to like Dooku, Dooku's apprentice. Are the Sith called apprentices? Yeah. I think, still. I think so. Yeah. I, I, I will say just my own point of of, of, of perspective, and I, I very much understand why this is not how everyone would see it. I am – I love Yoda in terms of like the mentorship and the, the quips and things like that. Um, as, as a disabled person, I hated seeing Yoda be so physical um, mm. because mm. to me – it it plays into this trope that we see a lot. You know, he's very much presented in the movies and even in the prequels as disabled. He walks with a cane. He walks with great effort. Um, and there's a trope of if you have magic or superpowers of some kind, you can, instead of being powerful while having a disability, you can basically be powerful and ignore your disability. Um, so it, it it's my one – it's the one thing that bothers me a bit about Yoda. And I was thinking about that, seeing him be so super combat guy in this. Um, but that's something this clo- this show didn't start. That comes from the the movies, and so I can't really blame it for that. No, but that's definitely a a thing that I mean, obviously, well, not maybe necessarily obviously, but uh, like I never even considered that that aspect of it. Um, and I think you you yeah you do you bring up a really good point. Um, yeah, it 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 is weird that it's this sort of like oh yeah, obviously you're going to use your magic to like overcome your disability. Like why not use your magic to 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 increase your wisdom like yeah and yoda I, when i say fun yoda i think i do mean like quippy yoda because yeah. even in like this the subsequent episodes like right after we just get yoda standing beside mace and like talking politics yeah. instead of being out there and like chatting with the clones and and like giving off his little yodaisms so so for most of the series yoda yoda's number one mannerism is mm. But in this episode, we get, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. And that's but what I mean. I guess 
Go ahead. Sorry. Oh, I was going to say, like, mm, ha, 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 come, comes with, like, a bunch of backflips, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, which is, yeah, yeah, interesting. Sorry. I, sorry to cut you off, Matthew. Yeah. No, 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 no. I, it, it's, I think it's a good conversation, especially because you're pointing out something I had never really thought of, but I think it's very true, which is Yoda works much better as a mentor when he's mm-hmm. working with Padawans or with with other people. You know, when he can be his little, you know, kind of condescending, pretentious, but wonderfully wise self. Um it's when he's drawn into the the political conversations that it it, it wears a little thinner. Um, what what out? What what did you guys think of the introduction of uh, uh, Ventress, the uh, our new kind of big uh, um, uh, not foil? What am I looking for? Like um, it's really like antagonist, nemesis. yeah, antagon- nemesis, antagonist, yeah. nemesis of a lot of the, the, this first season. Goodness, yeah, she's something um, <laughs> so i think my the biggest thing that i i noticed about ventress was that like her outfit makes no sense to me <laughs> why she's got like a turtleneck long sleeves but like the boob window and backless outfit like why it's like something someone would wear to the oscars no i, don't <laughs> I think it's very true like, but what I don't even know how it stays on because like the sleeves are connected to the collar somehow. The I don't force. know. The, the force. force. Yeah. She's just. That's why she can't win a fight. To, like... She's using all the force to keep her outfit on. Yeah. Um. But she also. Uh, like yeah, she's she seems interesting. She's got like her little like vampire um face markings that that almost look like fangs, and I think she has a sort of like nosferatu esque appearance mm-hmm. um, and I do like that that we've got uh, an, another woman in the Star Wars universe um like that's really nice to see um and even like a like a baddie right even though she is like very sexualized it's it's just nice to have another woman I guess like because we we have we have ahsoka mm-hmm. um as well who again is also wearing like the skimpiest outfit. Yeah. And she's like a kid, which is like super disturbing. There's there's um, a lot that's problematic about Ahsoka and the outfit <laughs> and things like that. But I but I agree. It, it, it's one of those things that's really – it's a weird thing because on the one hand, this is not the best example of female representation in a show like this by any means. And yet it's still the high point of female rep- – of women representation in Star Wars until Rey, Rey, Rey comes along. Um, yeah. And it, and it is nice to see those – I, when you watch enough, I think I kind of just start to like you know blot out the 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 sexualization of the outfits because it's the only way to kind of make it palatable. <laughs> because they are one thing I will say is that I, Ventress and um, Ahsoka become two of my absolute favorite characters in the show. Um, yeah, but yeah, like even their outfits. <laughs> yeah, jeez, and like Ahsoka's outfit wasn't even something that I I really noticed until later on because she's not presented i guess in a way as being like sexual like she's she's a kid and then i think it was like several episodes in when i was like wait whoa what the heck is she wearing um whereas like ventress from the outside is very like like hips waggling like i'm a seduce you and then stab you with my lightsaber right yeah well speaking of lightsaber i think it's cool i i believe this is the first time we see a dual wield in anything official maybe maybe the video games were first but her having two lightsabers is really cool and and they're both of like the dooku model Mm -hmm. okay i'm this is this is the part where i get real nerdy (laughs) well i was just gonna say like grievous has 
four lightsabers, but continue. So most most Jedi have just like a straight cylinder, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But Dooku has more of like, like the- a dueling lightsaber. Like the handle is curved. It's sort yeah. of like a pistol kind of. Yeah. yeah. So it... There was actually, I think in one of the RPGs, they established various fighting styles of Jedi, and Dooku represents the more, like, aggressive attacking style, like fencing. Mm. And so Ventress having two of these and dual wielding this is is kind of interesting. I, I like that, especially because it, I think, helps to explain that, um, you know... In A New Hope, lightsabers are basically claymores, as far as I can tell. I mean, these are big, two-handed <laughs> yeah. swings. You take slowly. a big swing, and then like they stop with their sword, and you just like sit there and zap at each other for yeah. a little bit. Yeah. Whereas by the time of like you know Ray and and Kylo, they're pretty much like fence. They're, they're sa- sabers, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so yeah, I, 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 please please jump in with that uh, that nerdiness as much as you can, um, <laughs> especially because we're gonna we're gonna get to episodes where we see Padawans making their own lightsabers that I think you're gonna really enjoy. Ooh, mm. that's exciting. Um, yeah. So any other kind of general thoughts about this first episode? It's, I think it's like a, it's a it's a really neat setup right like we and i I think it's a good setup too because we get to see yoda who's like a very recognizable character in the star wars universe and then we get instantly put into like there is a war here are the two sides go right it's so it's a it's a a good setup um and yeah it's got some 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 fun battles a lot of roger rogering (laughs) yeah it's a it's a good i guess pilot it was it wasn't a pilot but it's a good first episode yeah yeah, because there was like the movie, the Clone Wars, mm-hmm. not like the animated Clone Wars movie before right. this which, show, which is remarkably bad. And so we did not start by trying to watch that one. Ooh, okay. Um, Dis- Disney Plus is like confu- confusing because they both have like very similar pictures. So yeah. like, wait, no, this is a movie. <laughs> Let's watch the TV show. I I'll say the one other thing I want to say about the, this that last episode um, before moving on is I think it also really establishes that. All the stuff we talked about with the clones, but it it also to me says a lot about how the clones themselves are taught and raised because one of the things I think was really interesting is how surprised the clones are that Yoda treats them as such individuals and and cares about Mm -hmm. them. And I, I don't know if that's because of how they're raised and taught or if that's because of how the other Jedi have been treating them. But but to me, that was really striking that it's not just that Yoda treats them like this, but that that's a surprise to them, that that's not what they're used to. Yeah. Yeah. So kind of going from there into the um, the next three episodes are part of an arc. One thing the show, I think, I really like that the show does is they have kind of like story stories that go from like two to five episodes at a time. And it, it's the three episodes, but I think we can kind of talk about them all at once, um, of Rising Malevolence, The Shadow of Malevolence, and Destroy Malevolence. Um, and it's all about the- um, Terrible name. Yes. <laughs> for sure. Um, it, they're not subtle. General Grievous, you know, Count Dooku, um, Tyrannus and Sidious. Um, but the, yeah. uh, the, the concept here is that there's this incredibly powerful Sith, um, separatist ship that's been destroying, uh, Alliance ships and they have to find a way to destroy the ship and then, uh, rescue some soldiers who were lost when they were, um, trying to destroy the ship. And then, uh, finally, when we have the ship on the run and we've almost destroyed it, um, for 
bizarre reasons that of course make sense <laughs> padme and c-3po just blunder into the path of all of this i guess because palpatine gave her bad information and she becomes grievous's prisoner as kind of a human shield and Ugh. they have to be rescued yeah not not the highlight of clone war plotting i think for sure it's, but um what's what's it's surprisingly of- bad yeah what's, <laughs> yeah what, what's your guys take on this episode arc yeah, well, I think you 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 pointed it out from the get go. Like the the naming is just so frustrating because like you're not you're not even trying to hide that you're the bad guys, the malevolence. Mm. My goodness, um, I was like, is this is this a convention for like ship names? Oh yeah. So here's my nerdiness like again. IRL, I mean. Oh. You can. I mean, you can. You real, can Star Wars I mean, nerd, but in real life, they you can name also ships real life after... nerd. Yeah. People, I guess, mostly. Yeah, yeah. States, people, things Ent- like that. Enterprise. Yeah. What's enterprise? No, and what's like? What's like Yamanote? What's that mean? It's some sort of mountain, right? What? What? What are you talking about? The battleship. The Yamato. Yamato. Yeah, yeah. That's it's good. A Japanese admiral. Yeah, okay, but it's so, okay. So his name was Mountain Something. Okay, all right. Um, but yeah, yeah. Malevolence is just like. This Hello. is so we are the bad guys. Star destroyers, like in the books, when star destroyers are named, they so like Grand Admiral Thrawn's flagship was the Chimera. Okay, and then in his fleet he had ships uh, the... that were like Death's Head, Jeez. Judicator, uh, Relentless, Vic- Vic- Victorious, or something like that. See, okay, like Victorious, Relentless, Chimera, like those are fine, but like Malevolence is kind of like and like Death Head. I don't know. I feel like, like grab your thesaurus, my yeah. friends. They're they're a little on the nose, <laughs> a, li- a little. <laughs> it's not like Harry Potter level of like on the nose badness, but yeah, um, but yeah, the the, the the I mean. But this speaking of badness, this these plots are oh. bad. Oh, yeah. there's actually just like a huge plot hole right in the very beginning. Uh-huh. <laughs> they they come across three Republic cruisers. The Male- Malevolence does. And Dooku and Grievous are on the bridge, and they're like, this is our chance to test the weapon on the ship, which is this ion cannon, which disables all the electronics on ships and leaves them vulnerable to conventional attack. Right. Except at the beginning of the episode, they're talking about how a bunch of Republic ships have gone missing in this sector. Yeah. So clearly the weapon has already been operational and been used. Yeah. Why are you testing it? Yeah. It, yeah, it, it's both frustrating, but in some ways, I'm glad for our listeners, especially if you haven't seen the show yet and are considering it. Um, because let's warn you, there are some real bad episodes, and oh, there's yeah. some, especially in this first season, there's some very bad writing. And I think, I think more than anything, this was a show where the authors often would say, "We want to create a particular situation, and so we're going to have to have a MacGuffin to get that situation to happen." And how it actually happens, who the hell cares? We're not going to worry about it. And yeah. so they wanted a super ship that the Republic had to fight. Let's give that. We wanted Padme to get captured and have to be rescued. Let's give that. Mm-hmm. And the actual justifications for those things are paper thin. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. yeah. no one is suspicious of Palpatine's bad information. Yeah. Man. It's just like, oh, Palpatine told us to meet up here. Whoops. He must have got that bad info from somewhere. Dun, dun, dun. But yeah, it, it seems very much like, okay, we need to meet characters X, Y, Z. Go, go, go. And just like trying to cram as as much of this as we can into like this very loosely constructed plot. 
Um, yeah. But well, but yeah, like shoehorned in. But or I mean, like in, in the second in the second one, the shadow of malevolence. Yeah. The malevolence is en route to attack this clone hospital, which is like the only <laughs> hospital in the sector, and there's like sixty thousand clones uh, here. Yeah, which and is it like gave me really bad flashbacks to most of the Star Trek movies mm-hmm. because in those. The Enterprise is the only ship that's available to do this thing, (laughs) sometimes near Earth. I'm like, why aren't there more ships near Earth? Earth, yeah. Yeah, also, just, like, get another hospital. Like, (laughs) my goodness. Then you can mention it as frequently as you mention your your home planet of Camino, which is just, like... There's a little uh, bit of eggs in a basket situation there. This is definitely true. Yeah. Um, yeah. Th- this is uh. also where we get introduced to General Grievous. Uh, we actually get, uh, we meet a lot of characters in this one. Um, I'm, I think General Grievous is the one thing that the Clone Wars, like, he was terrible in the prequels. And I think even, <laughs> he, he's, he's funnier and makes, has a little more of an interesting character in this. But he's still overall, I think, just a pretty terrible character who I'm generally happy not seeing on screen. I I call him General Cookie Monster because <laughs> he I was convinced that like that this voice actor has to be Cookie Monster. It's not. I looked it up, but just like every time he says anything, I just expect him to be like me want cookie. <laughs> um, it's yeah, it's so ridiculous. I didn't so I'd forgotten that General Grievous existed in the movies. Um, mm-hmm. and I guess so. He his deal is that like. He was an organic, I guess technically is sort of an organic being, but like replaced 99% of himself with, with droid bits. I, I right? think, I don't know if we ever got, I always thought he was just a droid that was manufactured to be a general of droids. And oh, no, 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 he's a, he is in, in Revenge of the Sith. Obi-Wan kills him by like grabbing his actual physical heart. That's at the center of the droid body. Oh, interesting. Okay. I, I thought it was weird that he had a robotic heart that could be destroyed. But yeah, that, that makes a lot more sense. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's, oh gosh, he's like some forearm, it starts with a K. And I can't think of the, the species right now. Okay. But like the species has forearms, which is why he has the like forearm robot things. But yeah, it's like his eyes and his heart, and I'm assuming his brain, are like the only organic parts of him mm-hmm. left. I don't know why he's he's chosen to or has been forced to replace himself with with all these droid bits but yeah and that's the kind of that's the kind of detail that i wish they made a little bit more front and center because i i imagine part of the part of what they're trying to get us to think is that the technology that is used to build general grievous of like you know using mechanical parts to replace uh you know flesh parts is the same technology that eventually gets used to create darth vader um, oh, mm-hmm. but I never thought about that. Well, and the same technology that's isn't that's being used to replace Luke's hand. Mm. Yeah, well, that's Darth Vader got a bad deal. Yeah, <laughs> his parts. Yeah, he could have been a weird. Actually, robot there, there's like retcon fan theory that Palpatine intentionally gave uh, Vader bad parts uh-huh. so that he would be less of a threat to him. Okay, hmm, I mean, interesting. He does modulate his voice to go from Hayden Christensen to James Earl Jones, which is a mm. big I mean, that part plus. Is cool. yeah. <laughs> I would not mind having that deep a voice, but yes, I, I, the rest of it probably not so much. Um, a, a couple other things that I, I think come out in this that I think is really interesting is I 
a lot of this centers on the question of how far can you go to rescue an individual? Um, and mm. we have this with, first of all, um, Anakin disobeying orders and trying to rescue individual clones um, and uh, Master Plo Kun. Uh, am I pronouncing that right? Plo Kun? Plo Kun, I think it is. Because yeah. I thought his name was Platoon for the longest time <laughs> until I read the subtitles. Um, yeah. But we learned that Ahsoka had uh, a connection with him, that he had like been the first to help her realize she was a Jedi. Um, and then later, we go to great lengths to rescue Padme instead of trying to destroy the ship. Um, and I, I think what we're trying to see here is that Anakin is, in what is almost now kind of a cliche in action movies a lot, that he's, he's not willing to just look at the larger picture and, and fight the bigger fight. He's going to rescue the people he cares about, even if it means putting other people at risk. Um yeah. What what's your take on how that 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 theme is 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 described and 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 what 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 we kind of get out of it? Well, it's kind of Ahsoka that drives the rescue operation. Mhm. Of Master Plo, yeah. Yeah, but I mean like obviously like it's so weird cuz uh, Ahsoka brings up like, "Hey, maybe they're still alive, Jedi Council. We should go look for them." And they're like, "Anakin control your Padawan." Um and he's just like, yeah, Soka, shut up. Uh, and then they go, and then he's like, no, no, no. I mean, like, I got this. We're definitely going to go rescue them. But, like, you just can't, you can't speak up in front of these people. Yeah. Which is, like, Well, so even weird. Obi-Wan acknowledges that. He's like, oh, like, Anakin has redeployed himself. Yeah. yeah. I feel Again. like Obi-Wan should be nicknamed Snips, not Ahsoka. But anyway. <laughs> um, like, Snaps, maybe. It's mm-hmm. good. Um, so everyone knew that Anakin was going to go do this. Yeah, yeah. Like, All right, fine. But but it it is very like pushing the limits of um, resources, I suppose. Because like, so don't they they find Plo and um, his his clones' distress signal, right? Uh, but the droids are going through and like just going through the wreckage and um yes. like, like because, scavenging because Dooku wants no witnesses right. to the power of their ship even though <laughs> they we already know that many ships have been destroyed destroyed by this thing it's very powerful and there's like a bunch of other people that they just blew this up in front of <laughs> yeah this makes no sense but um yeah yeah this this, this sort of humanity and it it brings up again this like connection right like you're not supposed to have connections right to to other to other people, um, but obviously, like Ahsoka cares very much for Master Plo. Um, Anakin just doesn't mm. care very much for rules and cares a lot for individuals. Yeah. Um, yeah. And Master Plo, you again, like similar to Yoda, the clones in their escape pod are very despondent. They're like, "No one's going to come for us. We're just clones." clones. Yeah. And, and Master Plo keeps repeating, "Like, no, like your lives matter. Like our lives matter." Right. Yeah, but also the whole like, "No one's going to come for us. We're just clones." I feel like Master Plo and Plo's one like, Jedi but Master. I'm a Jedi Master. Don't worry, they're coming for me. <laughs> they're coming for me. You'll not you'll you. be here for the ride. Yeah. Right. Especially because um, it's it's not talked about, but every other group of clones who was in every other rescue pod does get killed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They didn't have any Jedi Masters in them. And I mean, I, I think that were uh, Ahsoka and Anakin to pick up on one of the clones' distress signal, they probably would have gone to save them. But that right. doesn't make much sense for this nonsensical plot. <laughs> um, but yeah, and then like immediately afterwards. So isn't it? I, um, I thought that uh, the the Jedi Council tells Anakin to go rescue Senator, um, the Senator from Naboo. 
who is on that ship that he's not just disobeying orders and doing it of his own accord because like obi-wan's in on it too right he has got a for he like force picks up 3po and then like smashes him into a train yeah, I I think you're. I, it's funny. I watched the episode just just uh, yesterday, um, but for some reason I'm blanking it's so on memorable. that particular detail. <laughs> um, I I think you know it, it's actually it's Padme who says "Don't rescue me." Um, but you're right; it may mm-hmm. well be the, the the Jedi go against it. Um, to me, it, I I just find all of these things interesting because it and I like I said, it's a bit of a cliche in war movies, but I think it's a it's a really interesting topic of when do you. Like, is it ever morally acceptable to say, we can't rescue these two people, we have to look at this larger issue that will save hundreds of thousands? Um, yeah. You know, and, and you you never do the math, and are you always supposed to, you know, just save every, try and save everyone, or is it ever the, you know, as awful as utilitarian as is to try and, you know, kind of make those make those connections? Um, and I, I think what I like about the show is that we, we're certainly seeing Anakin being portrayed heroically. But to me, the, the whole character of Anakin is fascinating because he's so far the biggest hero of the show, and yet we all know that he's the villain by the end of it. Um, and so it, it always just kind of makes me think about, like, are we, we're cheering him for this decision, but are we also supposed to be thinking that maybe this wasn't the best decision to be made? Or, or should, he, should he have approached it differently? Yeah, not, like, not, not in these five episodes, but in later ones, there's sort of, like, coy little nods to 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 what he's about mm-hmm. to be not to become um and this idea this idea of yeah the sacrifice um yeah yeah i mean like from a sort of cold empirical standpoint you're like oh yeah if, i mean if i have to give up one life to save hundreds obviously that's what's going to happen but when that one life is like your, your friend, your master, wife. your secret wife um yeah then then it and and the hundred lives are just like a bunch of clones then it, it kind of like maybe tips the scales in a different direction, um, but yeah, even even in this episode, uh, the the this destruction of the malevolence, the third one, <laughs> it's just called destroy it's malevolence. Just called destroy malevolence. That's so bad because after this, um, no one ever feels malevolent towards anyone else ever in the universe. <laughs> They've just destroyed malevolence. <laughs> Delightful. Um, but I think like, you can sense Padme's like already getting fed up with anakin and this is we're like four episodes in um because he so she yeah she's like don't don't come rescue us think of everybody else you you need to shut down this ship so it doesn't ion cannon a bunch of planets and they're like no no we're, we're gonna come for you senator don't worry about it so they get in there and then like yeah, they have their their private train moment that I mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. where three PO interrupts them with his Anthony Danielsing. Um and and then they they go on and they have to they go to the control room because Anakin's gonna rig it so that they think their hyperdrive's working, but it's actually just gonna hyperdrive them right into a moon. Um and and they get in, there's a bunch of clones, and the first thing Anakin does is like force push Padme into an <laughs> oh elevator. Oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> and then she gets out and she just gives him this like what the fuck dude look. Um, and he doesn't say anything about it, and, yeah. and she just seems very like. And then ignored. he's like, "I'll reprogram the thing," and she's like, "Okay, I guess I'll clean up the droids after you." Yes, yeah, <laughs> and that moment where she's just like, "Guess I'll pick up the mess you made," is just so like. I think it was supposed to be this like, "Oh, haha, marriage bickering," but it's just like. Anakin is ignoring his wife and like forgetting that she's even his wife because like 
they have no chemistry at all. Yeah, um, they his treatment of her is not really a, a paragon of relationship goals, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> I mean, in any sense, no. But then it's it's. Oh, we live in a uh, Joker Harley world now, so gross. this is also true. This is also true. Yeah, but the idea that like he turns to the dark side for Padme is just so. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, there are so many other reasons for him to turn to the dark oh, side. Man. Well, and, and that's why I, what I think the show is starting to get, and just looking at these first few episodes, I think we start to see this, is that it it's not that he loves her so much that he can't lose her. It's his frustration that he loses control. Mm-hmm. You know, because I, I, I think what's really interesting is in a later, in the second episode in this arc... He leads a bunch of clone uh, pilots on the attack on Malevolence. Um, we get the Y-Wings are suddenly invented 20 years before they're used at the uh, in the original movies. But okay, sure, we'll go with it. <laughs> um, but um, – and on that mission, like, he loses a lot of his clone pilots. And he's told at one point, like, that the price of this mission might be that you lose a lot of pilots. It might be hard to – you know, the, the minimized casualties part of your mission might be hard. And he mm-hmm. kind of shrugs that off. And it, it, I might be reading too much into it, but what I was kind of getting there is that he's sort of like, he's comfortable deciding to do a mission where there might be a high rate of casualties. It's when it's out of his control and he can't stop it or he can't do anything about it. That's what really drives him crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he does seem very much like a control freak. And I think Padme is is someone who he thinks he can control, right? Like he can force push her into an elevator and then make her clean up his mess um and so so that sort of relationship of like she's sick i can't do anything about it oh okay i'll go to the dark side so i can control it yeah i guess like that makes that makes more sense instead of doing it because he loves her right even despite her being smooth unlike the sand which he hates. <laughs> <sighs> yeah <laughs> um any last comments on this series before we go into the last episode that we were watching today? I do. Well, oh, you mentioned the Y. You mentioned the Y wings, and I just I don't understand the concept of a bomber because that's what Y wings are, right? In space combat, because <laughs> like the idea of a bomber in our world is like it carries bombs over a battlefield and drops them and lets gravity do the work. Right. <laughs> but these quote unquote bombers just seem to fire, you know, photon or pro- proton torpedoes just like fighters do sometimes. I mean, at least here the Y-wings don't try to use gravity cuz it doesn't exist in space and they <laughs> seemed it seems like that they're sort of more heavily armed but slower and less maneuverable than X-wings and I can kind of believe that. It's uh, like you, Last Jedi is probably one of my absolute favorite movies. But the oh, oh those bombers, the, bombers, yeah. the yeah. glaring they... plot hole in that one, because those bombers <laughs> absolutely use gravity. Well, they're, um, they're magnetic, and they're just they're drawn towards the magnets of the of the parsecs of the. Oh no, we messed up. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say one thing that I really liked in this arc was that uh, we, we get we get introduced to three PO, and we get some delightful R two three PO moments some banter if you will even though we can't understand a word of what uh r2d2 is beeping mm-hmm. um but yeah i think it's it's cute and we get like a lot of um lines alluding to the movies like i think we're doomed comes up a couple times yep um 
<laughs> and and yeah, I think that that's really neat because in this whole series, and, unless it changes drastically, 3PO is um, Senator Amidala's droid. Right. And just spends the time hanging out with her. So you don't get that sort of buddy partnership um, with 3PO and R2 as much as you do in the movies. Yeah, they're definitely more separated. <clears throat> and again, that's another plot thing of like, Okay, so a Jedi has given the droid that he built as a child to a senator yeah. who he protected once 10 years ago. Don't worry about it. Yeah. It's fine. No, they have no chemistry, so clearly <laughs> nothing's going on. That's true. Maybe <laughs> maybe they have great chemistry, but they're so convinced they have to hide it from everybody mm. and anyone that they just never, ever, ever show it, oh, including when they're alone. It. When they're alone together, they're, they're very, just like so used to being good like, actors. They're so good at it. Well, it's just, like, ridiculous. Yeah. it's. Oh, we'll get into later episodes where we can talk about the chemistry or lack thereof yep. between Padme, Anakin, and various <laughs> other characters. But, yeah. That's definitely true. Um, so let's go into the last episode because this one is also pretty pretty clone heavy. Um, and this is Rookies where we find a, um, a, a new group of clones we haven't met before who are kind of on a backwater mission that no one seems to really care about even though it's actually incredibly important um <laughs> but they are they are guarding one of these kind of like way stations between the separatists and Camino which is where all the clones are being made and housed and and built uh, or raised um and the idea being that if this base is overrun that the base won't be able to give a warning that a separatist fleet is coming to attack uh Camino and so um, droids attack it at happily just about the same time that Cody and Rex, who we get introduced to, are coming to inspect it. And with the help of Cody and Rex, <clears throat> the droids who survive the initial attack are able to um, defeat the clones, blow up the station, and get away. Um, and Or not really win, but, but blow up the station at least, which alerts the Republic, um, who then brings a fleet because... In the Clone Wars, apparently warp speed is actually instantaneous from anywhere in the galaxy <laughs> to anywhere in the galaxy. Um, <clears throat> but put, putting aside, again, some very big plot holes, uh, what was your kind of take on this overall episode? Yeah, so this episode, I I enjoyed it. Um, I think the idea of like, oh, we're deployed on this, yeah, backwater, like Rishi Station is just kind of the middle of nowhere. Oh, a meteor shower. You said you wanted action. Um, but I like it because you, again, it, it shows the individuality of the clones. Like even in just their, their bickering with each other about being stuck in the middle of nowhere, uh, you get to see some, some distinct personalities come out. Um, I liked this episode when I, when I saw it the first time and then, yeah, later in, is it season three or season four? Season three. Season three. You see the 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 episodes before and after that that take place before and after this episode, um, and so then going back and rewatching this um, before mm -hmm. uh, rec recording, getting ready to record tonight, it, it just made it so much more impactful because now we know these clones and we know who they are, and when when heavy sacrifices himself to make sure that the the station gives off its well that they shut down the all clear signal on the station and end up blowing up the station in the process like you know who heavy is at that point um and and it's it's really upsetting that he's sacrificed himself in this way although it it seems very appropriate right 
Um, and you even get like cut up who, who played a, a really major role in, in the season three episode just gets like rando eaten by a space eel. Yeah. And is just like gone. And you're like, whoa, cut up. What? Um, I, I, I just want to point out mm. that heavy sacrifices himself. And two trash can droids. <laughs> and two trash can <laughs> To blow up the station. But, and a bunch of battle droids, right? Uh, or are the trash can droids on their side? No, the, the trash can droids are the ones that are, are carrying the um, the liquid Tabana, I guess. Ah, yes, 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 yes. Um, but yeah, and, it, and it, it's it's also, again, another weird plot hole because they the rookies, the shinies as they're called, immediately get promoted to the 501st mm-hmm. and then... Get, Later, go on another mission and then get immediately promoted again. Yeah. <laughs> but it's been, like, a couple seasons since we've seen them, so maybe we don't remember that that was, like, a week ago. Um, but, yeah, it's 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 hard to follow because it is just one voice actor basically talking the whole time. Yeah. Um, but, no, other than that, I think it, it really, yeah, it shows the, the, the different abilities of these clones. And then, yeah. You get to you get to see how they handle this this situation. I think the actor does a really good job with what he's working with. In that there are different kind of slightly different voice patterns and and slight accents for the different for different clones. But you're right; it's still very like before they take their you know I I'm the same as you. I often will be watching while I'm like doing dishes or things like that or, or folding laundry, and it's so hard to follow because it is just the same voice trying to understand who all the different clones are. Yeah, and even so, we watch it with the subtitles on, mm-hmm. and that makes it a little easier because it is telling you who's talking. But even without the subtitles, even just watching it, the clones obviously all look the same. Right. So it's and even in um like this episode, they uh, all haven't distinctly differentiated themselves yet. Yeah. Um, like Fives has his five tattoo, but they all have like similar haircuts and nothing super distinct on their armor. So you don't have those like really big obvious visual cues as to who's who. No. Well, doesn't doesn't Rex is Rex the yeah. one who has the like the wolf? The two commanders do Rex and yeah. and Cody who come in later. I think one of them's in yellow as well, which helps. Um, but just the the initial um, guys on the station was it Heavy Fives, Echo, Cut Up. Yeah, and, and then, then the sergeant, the sergeant yeah. who yeah okay, um, but but yeah. I, I I like how they deal with the the clones. I guess not the clones. I'm sorry, the droids. Mm-hmm. In that, like the the droid dresses up like a clone and pretends to be a clone with his like voice modulation. Except except he keeps saying Roger Roger. So then, like, is it Rex or Cody that just like it's shoots him in the head? So <laughs> Which is like, I ah uh, yes, my suspicion is confirmed. It's like, but what if it wasn't? What if it? What if you just shot a clone in the head? My goodness, check Should first. Have said Roger Roger. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Uh, and it's like we're gonna fool him by holding up a little droid in front of the camera. Oh, like they'll never fall for that. Was, at least I appreciate that one of the other soldiers acknowledges they should never fall for that. Um, yes. I yeah yeah I, this is one of those episodes where i love so much of it and so much of it is also still pretty painful um i it seemed to i, I don't know i am i've never been in the military so I, I i can't speak to those kind of experiences but certainly i've seen a lot of war movies 
I'm not in any way equating those two things. But mm. but it does feel like this this episode especially, they're really trying hard to lean into that motif of this is a show about soldiers in war. And especially you were talking about at the beginning about the um that scene of them all being kind of bored and the mundanity of the situation. Um mm-hmm. I that to me is very much a war movie cliche, but it's one that I kind of appreciated them bringing here because it's kind of a general thought I have about this show in general, but this episode I think especially gets to it is that we're getting to see what's happening way below the surface. You know, this isn't the huge mm-hmm. battle. This is 10 soldiers against 20 droids doing the thing that the history books are never going to remember. And it you're probably, probably pretty bored until the moment it happens. But for these people, it's obviously an incredibly important moment. Yeah, for sure, right? And, like, the galaxy is really, really, really big. So even though, like, as as you've discussed, like, Rishi Station is extraordinarily important, there's probably a bunch of little little stations just like it out in the middle of nowhere that don't feel particularly important until they're, they're being threatened. Mm-hmm. This one seems important, though. Y- yeah, just like... It's monitoring the flight path... To the only planet where clones are produced. Oh my goodness. Also, like, a, a, a drinking game, if you want to destroy your liver, is to take a shot anytime a clone mentions that Camino is their home planet and they're, that, that that's what their home is. <laughs> it's like their home to them. It's where we were born. Oh my goodness. I think in this episode alone, they mention it like five times. Just like, we get it. Oh my, and it's so, un- like, the dialogue is so unnaturally terrible. It's like, ah. You guys forget that if we don't stand here, then our home planet where we were born on our home planet of Camino is is in trouble. Well, <laughs> and, and it goes to what we were saying before about um, it being a kids show. And I, mm. I, I think, I mean, obviously, I was the one who made the comparison. I, I think the comparison between this and Batman the Animated Series is accurate. But I also think that Batman the Animated Series is a TV show for... 13 to 16 year olds that tends to often be much more adult this is a show for 8 to 10 year olds that sometimes tends yeah. to be much more adult and and yes it, but but yet but that's why it's also so interesting is and i think ricky this is something you said in your notes like it's also a show where we get introduced to a character who literally you know suicide blows himself up to save the mission that's not something we generally show 8 year olds <laughs> yeah yeah, and it's I I don't know if if it's like because the clones are clones, so even though we're losing, yeah, but but not yeah, but the we, we you know we've mentioned that these clones have a later arc mm. or, mm. or oh there are later episodes that deal with them, mm-hmm. and it's it's emotional. I cried. It, yeah, yeah, like it. So one of the comparisons I made was that G.I. Joe, for me, was the the war cartoon Yep. when I was growing up. And no, literally no one dies in that. I think that they probably had like some kind of contractual obligation that they could not show anyone dying yeah. in order to show this on TV. There's always a parachute every single time yeah. a ship gets blown up. The, a, like, a tank blows up. You see the, the pilot of the tank like, start to climb out and then go, ah, as it blows up. <laughs> uh, they, they shoot their lasers at each other and never hit. Um, so, so for me, like, one, of, one of the formative cartoons was Robotech, where several characters do die. And, and those were like really big moments 
So to get something like this um, so early on in this series is really quite telling, I guess, of how much television has changed and like what what people are willing to show their kids. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it, it is very much a, a, a TV show about war. Um, and, and yeah, there are casualties and yeah i think it was it was surprising that uh, i mean so before heavy even sacrifices himself they i mean a lot of clones just just die in the initial strike Mm -hmm. um and then even one who like cut up who a named character is just like like i said randomly eaten by a space seal he makes a joke he's like oh better watch out for the space seals and then the space seal just eats him and carries him away and he's dead speaking of and you're just like what i am curious about the xenobiology of this galaxy that it does (laughs) seem that there are an awful lot of asteroids that support life forms that seem far too large for the amount of food they consume on this lifeless rock of an an of an asteroid yeah Yeah, or like the, the asteroid is just one big monster in the center of it just waiting just waiting for a ship to land inside of it. Yeah. Um, so, so Sarah mentioned like drinking game stuff earlier. Two of my drinking game things in this series are take a drink anytime General Grievous does the Linda Blair like walk on all fours. Yeah. <laughs> and then another one is take a drink anytime Obi-Wan Kenobi rides a random animal <laughs> on a planet. Because he does that in Revenge of the Sith. Yep. And he does he, at least like three times, I think, I've seen him just ride an animal. It's like, wh- what? Are you Dr. Doolittle of the Jedi? <laughs> to be fair, he's a Disney princess. Um, I think like one of it's the same, it's the same animal two times. But yeah, yeah the- I thought you were going to say take, take a drink every time Obi-Wan Kenobi like, makes a sarcastic remark uh, when he's about to die. But then, yeah. There, there does definitely seem to be that... um. Somewhere along the way, Lucas Studios figured out that they knew how to make Rancor like monsters and just never let that go. Because there are, in every movie since then and in all the TV shows, the love of just showing big dumb monsters that will attack you if you get too close, which somehow live in proximity to space age civilizations without problem. It, yeah. It's a little surprising to me, but you know, yeah. or, <laughs> feel like you walk out to your car in the morning. It's like, whoa, a dinosaur! <laughs> Look, nobody ever, Duck. no one ever goes fishing on Naboo. Clearly, because those waters are very, very dangerous. <laughs> yeah. There's always a bigger oh, fish. My goodness. Yes. Uh, well, even in okay, so I don't know if that's in a a movie, but in um the Star Wars ride at Disney. I'm assuming world as well, but Disneyland, one of the scenarios they have now is like you're, you go to Naboo. So it's probably, this is probably from a movie and I'm just not remembering it where like you're, you're, you're flying around and a, a fish almost eats you, but then a bigger fish eats it instead and you get to speed away. Is that just a scene from a movie? Yes. That I'm, okay, cool. Cool. cool, cool. And, and then Qui-Gon says there's always a bigger fish. Oh, yep. cool. All right. Cool. Glad that I uh, spotted that reference yeah. <laughs> immediately and tied it instead to a ride at Disneyland. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I feel like that's Star Warsy enough now. That's good. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I have a very faint memory of the the prequel movies. So watching, um, even even just like the Clone Wars, I I think I'm finding myself asking like a bunch of yeah, and questions about it. <laughs> and the internet will give you all the answers so that you don't have to go back and watch them again. Yeah, I don't. 
I don't want to watch them. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. I also don't. Because, I mean, like, so I've seen Phantom Menace twice. Once when I was, like, a little kid. And then once when I watched all three prequels. And I've only seen the other two one time each. And, yeah, even by the time that I was watching the last one, whose name I can't even remember. Revenge of the Sith? No. Yep, Revenge yeah. of the Sith. Yeah. Um, I, I was just so frustrated with it. But I don't think I was even paying a, a bunch of attention because it was just like, there was so much potential. And I think that's why I'm enjoying Clone Wars so much because they're actually going in and exploring that potential. Yeah, I, I think it's very true. It, it, it's it's exploring the potential. It's broadening out the world. It It's just, it's really doing something interesting with, with, um, with this universe. And so I'm really glad you guys are liking it as much as I do and that we're going to have, I think, a lot to talk about going forward. Um, yeah. I know it's getting late, especially you guys are on the East Coast, and so it's even later for you. So let me just bring up one last thing quickly as kind of a closing topic. Um, every one of these episodes starts with a kind of like old-timey movie clip narrator telling us in very purple language and very sort of excitable voice what's happening and that, you know – the uh, you know that that um Padme has fallen to the clutches of the devious general grievous and and Anakin's rushing to rescue them what what do you think of that that framing technique of of starting all the episodes with um that narrator voice and and what's your kind of I, understanding of him I love it so i like that it's like the dateline here's what we're going to see in the movies our fr- our boys are on the front line UBI or in like like that old like the, you're saying the old timey not not just old timey movie but like old timey war reels yeah. of like here's our propaganda film for our good fight in the war so like you you see it in I mean obviously in in those old timey news reels but then they're using it again in like Captain America um sorry it's it's late here on the east coast which means it's time for the cat to run around like a maniac <laughs> that's fair <laughs> um so yeah you see it and like even um it were, as as this allusion to like it's war times but what i really like is that the narrator voice is a character um like he's just one one of the generals and you hear him speaking oh my goodness cat <laughs> sorry you uh you hear him speaking in that sort of dramatic voice, just just to the the Jedi and like telling them what's what. So I think it's this interesting um, like breaking of the fourth wall because obviously when he's giving these sort of Dateline updates, it's it's stuff that some of the stuff is stuff he'd have, he'd have no way of actually knowing about. Yeah. Um, but I think it's interesting in in placing it in like a this is war context. It's the admiral. Admiral Yularen. Admiral Yularen. Oh my god. Who you will be surprised to know survives the war, mm-hmm. joins the Empire. Oh no. And is stationed on the Death Star. Oh. And in fact, is supposedly one of the characters in the room when Darth Vader chokes them off for making fun of the Force. <laughs> the force. Nerd. So, um, like, this guy, hundred percent, should be like, "Oh yeah, force is real, my friends." Yeah, that's always. I, I serve. I served with Jedi. <laughs> <laughs> that's oh, that's another goodness. big plot hole that established. But, but yeah, I I I I have the same feeling as you do, and I I remember at first I wasn't quite clear because it it felt like a weird thing to do if it was meant to be a universal narrator. But once mm. I realized that no, this isn't a, a narrator. This is what we're hearing is like you said, the Republic propaganda. And that's why it's told in these terms and you're meant to kind of think of it as an unreliable narrator. 
that mm-hmm. that made it so much more interesting to me. Yeah, yeah. And there are, I mean, there there are things that um, you sort of have to suspend your disbelief because in, in the update, um, the narrator is telling you things that he would have absolutely no reason to know or ability to know. Yep. Um, but... Yeah, I uh I really like it as a framing device. When when you were talking about the introduction, I thought you were going to uh, mention the the little fortune cookie quote. Oh, yes. oh no, I'm I, I have okay. Are you ready for this? Yeah, I'm waiting for Ricky to talk about these. Go ahead. Oh my goodness. I told you I would do this. Okay. So, in addition to the newsreel, there's also like a spiffy inspirational sentence in in at, traditional at Star Wars blue letters floating in in the middle of the sky. Okay, so for each episode, I have the actual quote at the beginning, the inspirational quote. I've taken a key word from that quote and then searched on a website that has fortune cookie messages. Okay. Uh, It's actually called www.fortunecookiemessage.com. And I plugged in that keyword and I searched for a similar quote. Oh my goodness. And now it is up to you to decide which is the Clone Wars quote and which is the fortune cookie message. So we'll start with Ambush. Okay. The Yoda the Yoda episode. Yep. One. The leader seeks to communicate his vision to his followers. Or two. Great leaders inspire greatness in others. It's definitely two. I think it's two. Yeah, the first one's a little too wordy. Okay, you got that. That is, that is the Clone Wars okay. quote. Okay. okay. Episode two, rising malevolence. <laughs> the keyword is conviction. Okay. okay. One. Belief is not a matter of choice, but of conviction. Ooh. Or two, if you feel you are right. Stand firmly by your convictions. No, it's number one. Matthew? I think it's... It, oh, this is a tougher one. I, I'm going to say one. All right, you're correct. Okay. Yeah. Number two could be Captain America. That's true, too. Jeez, yeah. <laughs> and it's also why oh, okay. I often disagree with Captain America, but moving on. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Episode three, Shadow of Malevolence. The keyword here was path. So, one, easy is the path to wisdom for those not blinded by themselves. Mm. Or, two, you can't go down the right path without first discovering the path to go down. What? Oh, this is harder. I... I th- have you like because the first one I was like that can't be the Clone Wars, but the second one I'm like that can't be the Clone. That Wars. can't be the Clone Wars. I, have you like deoded any of them? Like if they're no, in no, these are these are all the full quotes. Uh, I think the second one is the Clone Wars. What was the second one? You can't go down the right path without first discovering the path to go down. What? When? What was the first one? Easy is the path to wisdom for those not blinded by themselves. Okay, I think it's... Then this no, is... Yeah, I think it's, it's the first one. All right, so here we disagree. She thinks it's the first one, I think it's the second one. It's the first one. <gasps> because this is the one where Anakin is like... Or not Anakin, Ahsoka is like disagreeing and going and following to get Master Plo back, right? No, this is the one where Anakin leads the fighters 
Oh, well, then the, I don't even the know. The Y-Wings. All right. On the attack. I was just guessing lucky then. Okay. <laughs> Episode four, Destroy Malevolence. Stupid. All Malevolence. Is... There'll never be Malevolence anywhere in the galaxy anymore. <laughs> the, keyword, the keyword is plan. Plan. Quote one. Plan your work and work your plan. Ooh. Quote two. A plan is only as good as those who see it through. Okay, I know this one. I, so I'm gonna I'm gonna let you guess, Matthew. I think it's number two, simply because I had Chinese food a couple days ago, and I think I got number <laughs> one as an actual. Uh, it was some version of it, certainly. Amazing. So yeah, I'm gonna say number you, two is the is the, you, the the Clone Wars one. Yeah, you are right. Okay, all right. Episode five, rookies. The keyword was confidence. Quote one. It is best to act with confidence, no matter how little right you have to it. Well, or quote two. That's stupid, but okay. That's bad advice, but okay. <laughs> the best confidence, the, sorry, the best confidence builder is experience. Ooh. Oh. Um, this really comes down to who do I have more faith in? The writers of Fortune Cookies or the right because they're both pretty dumb <laughs> sentiments, but the first one is much worse. Yeah, like the second one is at least like kind of not the worst advice, whereas the first one's just bad advice. I I think the first one's the Clone Wars. The for, the the like the the be confident anyway. Yeah. It is best to act with confidence no matter how little right you have to it. Because that's kind of it. No, but yeah. That's kind of what they do, right? Oh, no. Cause, but they're shiny and new. Oh, gosh. I don't know. I'm going to pick number one. I think it's number one. I'm, I'm number one, too, yeah. You're wrong. Oh, oh wow. Fortune cookie. Fortunecookiemessage.com. So, wait. What was the real one? The best confidence builder is experience. I guess. The best part is we watched this episode last night. Yeah, but I'm not, I don't read, I didn't read them the second time. Well, and the funny thing is, anyway. I didn't pick that one because that one is the one that sounds, of all 10, the most like a fortune cookie. The most cookie. fortune cookies? Yes, yeah, because, yes. Oh, gosh. So that's why I started doing this. I'm like, what is up with these fortune cookie <laughs> messages? This is a great thing. I'm 100% saying we should put this as a, um, uh, uh, a regular thing in our episodes. And I might even say that sometimes, maybe instead of asking it on air, we'll we'll have you read them on air, but then have our listeners try and guess because <laughs> I think Ooh. this is really kind of brilliant. Yes, yeah. So it gets harder because some of the seasons, it, it's just like very obvious war stuff. Yep. And it's like I'm never gonna find a fortune cookie thing about this war <laughs> about uh-huh. the force. And like some of them, I I know some of the little scrawls are definitely written in in Yoda in Yoda. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is why it's the first one that you thought that that you the fortune cookie one I thought sounded like a a Yoda message unyoded. Does that make sense? Which one was it? Oh yeah, I remember the one the you're. T- great leaders inspire greatness in others. I guess they're like in up right like that yeah. sounds like in others do great leaders inspire greatness or something like yes exactly which, yeah and i was like that's <laughs> definitely the star wars one did you just undo which, it which i will say yeah. leads me to a plug um we're going to i mean to say all the information about this at the end of the episode but um we have a star wars universe podcast facebook page on which i'll be oh. posting our episodes as well as posting questions uh and today i posted something asking if anyone has a linguistics background I'm very curious if there is any actual 
in linguistic science explanation for why someone would speak the way Yoda would speak. Um, like, would it have something to do with his culture or the way his his brain works, or is he just being pretentious? Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> all of the above. If, if any of you have any linguistics background, whether that's a PhD or five minutes internet research, uh, please let us know. I'd be very curious. Yeah, I. So I I really like Yoda speak. It's helping me learn Japanese um, because of like the the sentence structures seem yodified to me as far as where like like the verb always appears at the end of a sentence that's exactly what i'm at i was wondering about i was like i was wondering is there is is there some sort of logic to that to the way yoda speaks that would be possible that like his species had a language where he learned to conceptualize language in a different way um that's very interesting to hear that that for japanese it, it might be a little similar sure but i mean then like like when when Japanese people learn English, they don't right. still use the grammar of of their language. But I mean, I guess when you're like 500, maybe he was speaking only Yoda language for like 300 years and just kind of got ingrained. I got nothing. Um, <laughs> but yeah, if there's if like I I would would be super interested to to know if there's like a linguistic reason behind mm-hmm. Yoda speak. Yeah. So, so yeah, if, if you, and our listeners, <clears throat> if you know about this, please find our uh, Facebook page, um, Superhero Ethics. Uh, sorry, that's my other podcast. Um, <laughs> Ooh, muscle oops, memory. I, I follow that one. one. <laughs> um, uh, Star Wars Universe podcast. Um, but yeah, let's, let's kind of wrap up. The cat sounds like it wants some attention. Um, do you oh, guys have she? any other, um, final thoughts or ideas you didn't get a chance to talk about or questions you wanted to raise? Um, just want to say like we're super excited to be on board for this and uh thanks for getting us to watch the clone wars it's it's really exciting and i would encourage anyone who's listening who has maybe had this a similar experience as us as being like kind of turned off the clone wars just from what we've heard about it and how we feel about the prequels uh to give it a chance and season one is a bit of a slog but yeah and once you get through it it's 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 really rewarding it's a really great show yeah, I, I'm i going to reiterate, don't listen to the people who say that it makes the prequels better. It's just, it's just like, better than the prequels. Like, it's yeah. what the prequels should have been, perhaps. And I never want to watch the prequels again. But I feel like <laughs> I might have to, to do some research on, like, these characters and plot points. And I'm dreading it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think that's a great point. So, um, and, and I would just reiterate, yeah, I, I'm... Talking about it with you guys reminds me why I liked this show so much and, and that I'm really excited, especially as we start getting into uh, the later seasons, where I think we're really going to get into some some things that raise big questions for the whole Star Wars universe. And um, since it sounds like the three of us all had somewhat different experiences about how we experience Star Wars and um, and from like what perspective, um, especially like I, um, Sarah, I appreciate you pointing out what you said about being from Canada, because I know I is um, I unfortunately have the, the um, cult the cultural assumption that far too many Americans have where I, I think of things in terms of the American experience and forget that that's not the universal experience, uh, which is very much to my detriment. Um, and so for both of you, I'll really appreciate hearing, you know, your different experiences. And also, um, uh, Sarah, as you said, like you being someone who first watched the, um, the show during the Jar Jar Binks era. Um, oh, uh, you know, <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, so, and, and, and Ricky, what you said about what the show has uh, meant to you and, and uh, the Darth Vader and all that. Uh, and to our fans, thank you guys so much for listening. Um, 
we're really excited as as you if you're a listener you probably can tell by now that we're going to be having two different kind of ongoing series of episodes uh, on this podcast um every other week i'm going to be or around that we'll definitely have some weeks off with people being busy but we're going to try for about twice a month i'll be talking with Ricky and Sarah about the uh show the clone wars and then on the off weeks, I'll be talking with Jeff Randall about The Mandalorian, and in each one kind of covering Ooh. an episode or two. Yeah, so we'll, uh, yeah, that that the first episode of that is already out. Uh, and if you're watching Mandalorian, uh, I'd love uh, Ricky and Sarah, and also for any of our fans, you might really like that. Um, but for all of us, I know the reason why we, uh, reason why I started these podcasts, the reason why I think you guys are having a good time too, is because we love talking about this, and I want these podcasts to. Not to be, we've, you know, we have spoken and that's the end of the conversation, but <laughs> I want, you know, to hear more from you guys. So, uh, we have an email, a Twitter account and a Facebook page. Uh, most of them are just star, star Wars universe podcast, but you can also find them uh, on our show notes, find links to them. Let us know what you think. Let us know, um, you know, what, what you got out of these first couple episodes or why you love this show. Tell us how we're totally wrong or, uh, give us your own opinions, um, We'd love to keep those conversations going online, or even if you're up for it, uh, read your comments on air next week and, and keep the conversation going that way. Um, so on behalf of myself, uh, thank you guys uh, so much for being a part of this. Uh, and to all of our listeners, hope you keep tuning in. Please share this with other people and help help spread the word. Have a great day. <laughs>